Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. So, Brendan, have you seen this, uh, have you heard about this position in hockey called goaltending? Maybe once or twice. Well, someone should tell the Sabres about it. Mm. Um, So, it's no secret that goaltending has been in in a bad way in Buffalo for quite a while. So much so that the only real bright spot right now is a 41-year-old or soon to be 41-year-old in Craig Anderson. And well, so I got thinking about generously. Yeah, brightest spot. Um, Basically, the last time the Sabres had decent goaltending was 2016-17, which might be a season people forget. I think the last time you had good goaltending the Sabres could rely on was 2013-14 with Ryan Miller, and he was traded that February. Mm. So in, in the... The, let's see, 15-16 season, the goaltending was fine-ish. And then 16-17, you had pretty average season from Robin Leonard and a weirdly spectacular season as a backup from Anders Nilsson. <laughs> Shockingly good season in, in retrospect. So, you know who else was thinking about this apparently at the same time? Uh, was our, our good friend Waltz at Sabres Metrics uh, and charging Buffalo contributor. Because uh, he had an article today called The Andy Man Can. At his point, well, there's a few things he was going through. It wasn't just about goaltending, but crux of the article, he talked about how Craig Anderson has been one of the only positive goaltenders the Sabres have had in the past 15 years, um, which that's Yikes. shocking. So basically this, the stat he was looking at, which is a stat I like a lot, is gold saved, goals saved above expected, mm-hmm. which is tied to expected goals, which we've talked about on here. But in case you don't remember, expected goals for, expected goals against, expected goal totals, percentages, that's all based on where you shoot from on the ice, how often you shoot from that spot, basically where your shots are coming from, how many shots you're taking, and then the opposite in the defensive end. So where you're giving up shots, how many shots you're giving up. And with the locations and number of shots you're giving up, how many goals would you be expected to have on a normal team? And then how many goals would uh, you expect a normal goalie to save? Standard is you know zero. Goal saved above average, zero. That's a completely average goalie. Anything above zero is good. Anything negative is bad. So with all the guys that have played for the Sabres uh, since 07, 08, I believe he, he said it. Yeah. So 7, 08, I know right off the top of my head, both goalies for the Sabres are definitely both negative that year. That was Ryan Miller's bad year where he was overworked and his cousin died. And that was Jocelyn Tebold, super washed up. Oh, Miller him. ended up starting 73 games, I believe, that year. 
or something crazy like that. Yeah. Like just, just every back-to-back, everything. Not what Lindy's finest moment, not Darcy's finest moment, not getting a better backup goalie. Certainly not. Um, but anyway, so from then on, the only season the Sabres have had someone positive. So the obvious one is number one here in that range. The best goaltending season the Sabres have had was Ryan Miller's Vesna season, 9-10 at 25-08. And another, another thing about this is this is obviously a cumulative stat. So the more you play, the more you have the opportunity to stack it up and the same going negative. Uh, secondly, Anders Nilsson in that season I mentioned had 10.84 goals above expected. I, I remember him being solid, but I would not remember that at all. That's stunning. 16, 17, good Lord. 15, 16. Like I said, solid goaltending year, mostly because the unexpectedly good goaltending, uh, from Chad Johnson, who had 7.27. Now he would come back two years later to replace Anders Nilsson. And he was beyond horrific. You might remember that 17, 18, mm. and then two Ryan Miller seasons, 13, 14, uh, he was five, more than five, 12, 13. He was at more than three. That's the strike or lockout shortened year. And then Neuwirth in 14, 15. Part of the reason he was gone is because he was slightly above average, 194. And then right ahead of the, uh, well, Anderson's right there. And then Jonas Enroth in 11, 12 is 0.15, barely above average. Just above him is Craig Anderson this season, 0.43. So <laughs> he has been less than half a goal better than expected. And it is one of the best. It is the seventh best goaltending performance by a Sabres goalie in the past 14 seasons. Should we hang a banner? Do you want, sorry, 15 seasons. I think it should go up right next to the, to the sponsorship banners. Well, Wall pointed out in the piece actually, that if with one bad game, he could fall below (laughs) into the negative, but we'll see. I mean, he's like, isn't a huge sample size. It isn't a super small one either. Like it was in October. Right. Yes, to your point, I think we should hang a banner uh, right next to the banner where we don't finish last this year. Don't finish last in the division again. <laughs> so too soon. Yeah, it's yeah. So goaltending. I just thought that was interesting to point out because I was wondering how bad they are. Save percentage is a good metric, but sometimes it's not it's not perfect. And looking into goal saved above expected. It's fun. The thing is, it the data doesn't go back that far, so you can't even look at the good Sabers teams on there, like 0506-0607. Right. That data doesn't really exist. But yeah, this this was a man. I I want to give some credit though that Walt's headline in this article was the Andy Man Can, which was was there a question mark after Can? <laughs> well, the Andy Man Can <laughs> for uh, for some amount of time. It's it's nice. To, at least we know there's proof of concept with Anderson. Like he's been a solid goalie throughout pretty. Well, I don't know what like the last 15 years he's been mostly solid. He Something barely like played that. last year. He's in his 40s now, so there's all those caveats. But it is uh, it says a lot about what they have to do going forward. Obviously, you're not bringing back a guy that's going to be 41 next season. And the other guys we've seen this year, UPL. I look to see him get more time potentially before the playoffs in Rochester, just because. You don't know Tokarski, AHL guy, here or elsewhere. Michael Hauser, AHL guy, here or elsewhere. Aaron Dell, get out of here. I don't care where you go, pal. And then his cushy corporate job. Yeah, seriously, couldn't hack it. And then Malcolm Subban, who we saw briefly this year. And then even even our old friends we saw last year, like Jonas Johansson. Yep. Not great. Carter Hutton noticeably does not appear on that list. You know who doesn't appear on that Toronto list? Toronto Maple Leaf. 
Carter Hutton that is to you, sir. <laughs> yeah. Great so, acquisition by the Leafs. Turns out he's not actually going to the Leafs. I know. Which Sad. is unfortunate. I thought they were going to try Carter Hutton. That would have been so awesome. funny. It, may, it would have made no sense, but it would have been the laughs would have been to last a lifetime. Oh, man. God. You what never know. Peter Mrazek's injury prone a little bit. Well, apparently Hutton isn't even the first guy to come up from the AHL if, if there's an injury. Good. That's... I know. Who knows? Hopefully we'll see. Maybe you won't have to get any more Twitter arguments about how the models say that Carter Hutton's going to be better than. Yeah. I would like to be, there's one person, there's one person's model who was expecting anything out of Carter Hutton. I don't want to besmirch the entire analytics community. No, no, no. One person. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Otherwise he is a, it's, it's Micah, right? Wasn't that who? Micah. Yeah. Yeah. Micah Blake McCurdy. He is a phenomenal follow otherwise, but that those interactions, it's just like, my man, I believe everything that you're saying, except this one thing. No, no, no. We we have the proof. Yeah. There was a couple of things in there though. So those who don't know, I was basically taking exception with, it was his, where he was expecting every, every team to be at the end of the season. Based, uh, current their current pace based on not not that is their exact current pace point pace it's like based on his model where does he expect them to end up and i think that can be interesting his model might expect like it's best the sabers to get a little bit worse going forward which i, I can see it, it expects here's what i took exception most of it looks fine it expects the coyotes to play at an 85 point pace and i just kept noticing that awesome. i just kept waiting for it to change from from here on out, expects him to play at an 85 point face and finish with like now the point total will be in the low 60s. Um, and as the further the season gets along, it's like that's not happening. That was never happening. The Coyotes went into the season trying to lose. They traded all but maybe three guys on their team, and they signed Carter Hutton. And then he was so bad they couldn't even play him. Anyway, yep. Here's a problem I have with this model. It's basically his model is where you are now, your point pace now. That's your current point total for the rest of the games of the season. The expectation is you'll pay, you'll play at the rate. My preseason model had you at, which is one, that's not a good way to do things. Not updating it at all. Obviously the coyotes are on pace for like 45 points. They're not going to suddenly become an 85 point team. And it's worth adjusting because half a season's not that small of a sample size for a team perspective, maybe for individual players, but not for a team. And then, Thirdly, why did you have the Coyotes getting 85 points? Why he had them at like like the sixth least bad team? I don't understand that. Like every model, every other model before the year, including Vegas, which is the best model that you should pay the most attention to because that's the only model where billions of dollars are at stake. They all had the Coyotes in like the low 70s, and goaltending has been even worse perhaps than you would have expected. I don't think that there was any model that had that, at least that I had seen that had them outside of the top three or the bottom three, I should say. Look, if you really, really have a very different opinion than Vegas at any point with any futures model, you really should bet a lot of money on it or you should think hard about why it's different. Mm-hmm. Probably the latter though. Um, but yeah, the other thing is he's, he said that you would expect the Coyotes goaltending to be much better, which I didn't understand. Uh, it's been bad to be sure. No, no, no question there. Uh, but basically because you'd expect Carter Hutton to be better, which that was the part that didn't even make the most sense. I would have expected he's only played... with Vel- Velomaki or whatever the, 
dude, you know what I'm talking about, everybody. The the Vegmelka. guy with the V last. What's his name? Last name? It's it's spelled Vegmelka. I don't know if it's actually pronounced that way. That's what I was gonna say. And then they also have Wedgwood. Um, none of these guys Old, are NHL goalies. Over Buffalo Saber. Oh yeah, jeez. We love um, Scott Wedgwood, folks. <laughs> Do we? No. He's an honorary Saber, like uh, Halak, basically. But yeah, like you wouldn't expect any of those goalies to. You'd expect them to have terrible goaltending. Everyone did. That's the only reason I was sure that the Sabers weren't going to be last in the NHL this year. It's the Coyotes, and they've been you know even worse than expected. But mm-hmm. yeah, that annoyed me. Well, anyway, so while I was looking into expected goals uh, today, uh, I or sorry, last night, I was looking and I was kind of surprised, not surprised, well, a little bit surprised, something that we all know, but I think is even worse, and it's almost underrated, how bad this person has been. Philip Grubauer. Dude. <laughs> and I'm looking at, I should give credit, most of these stats I brought up today are from Money Puck. Philip Grubauer right now is last in the NHL in expect or goal saved above average. He's at negative 28.2. And I have to put that in context. I assume most people don't look at these charts. The next person, he's more than twice as bad as the next person, which is Montreal's fourth goalie, whose name I'm forgetting. Primo? Primo? Aiden Primo? Oh, I don't know if you met him yeah. like that Montable. Montable's a little bit better. Not okay. much, though. Yeah, uh, wow. Yeah, so he's been twice as bad as anyone, according to this stat. And if you just want to go by save percentage, he's also been ex- extremely bad for that. He's in the low 880s right now. But just to, to give you, a, I guess, more of a look at this, I was a Seattle hater. You might remember that, Brendan. Mm-hmm. I didn't like what they did in the, the, the draft. I don't like how they didn't really set themselves up for the future at all. And I don't, especially didn't like how their team is full of guys that can't score. But I thought that would lead to them being like a team that was on the outside because the Pacific Division wasn't that good. I assume they'd be one of these teams like at the level of San Jose's at right now fighting for the playoffs. But if they make it, they're not going to be that good anyway. Whatever. Nope. They're going to be a bottom five team, it seems like. And it's not. It's really not. As different as I thought outside of Grubauer, they are really most of the same team. I thought everyone who looked at them before the season said. Good defensive team. Won't be able to score on offense, even if they do have the puck a lot. Solid goaltending. Because they also got this Chris Dreiger guy. Pretty solid. They traded away Vitek Vanacek, who is not having a great year, and got assets for him, which is smart. And they get Grubauer. And Grubauer should be someone that you should be able to trust. Nope, because looking at it right now, uh, Seattle is 26th in expected goals for. Like, again, that's kind of what you would expect. They didn't draft guys who could score goals. You make it up by winning low-scoring games. They're 13th in expected goals against. It's a little bit worse than they probably thought they were going to be. They're 22nd in goals scored. Actual goals on the ice. Fine. That's good compared to their expected goals. Good for them. That's about where they should be. They're 30th in goals allowed. 13th in expected goals allowed. 30th in goals allowed. And Grubauer. It's Grubauer. Now, like... When you're a expansion team, you can't always just rely on having good goaltending. Throughout NHL history, that's been that's been proven. It's not so you're not not everyone's been Florida getting you know Van Van Beesbrook right away. It's tough. It's you, you deal with a lot of randos and net for a couple of years. But Vegas got very lucky that Flurry was available, and then Seattle got lucky that Grubauer was a free agent. Colorado was kind of right up against the cap, so that 
that gave them kind of an advantage. And Grubauer, uh, unlike most goaltenders, someone I would be kind of confident giving a, a modest contract to, or a, a few years, four to five years. Most goalies, like the noticeably absent from the list I read earlier, Linus Olmark, not comfortable. Someone like him, I mean, the, the problem with goaltenders is once you have enough of a track record to be confident that they're good, they're old. And then it's too dangerous to give them money. Like, Grubauer was in a real sweet spot because I'll just look at his career from expected goals against. The less you think that the stat is just unfair to him. Last year for Colorado, he was 10th. So basically the 10th best goalie. This is out of guys that played at least 20 games. Year prior, he was 18th, middle of the pack pretty much. Uh, his first year in Colorado, he was not that great. He was 28th, but that meant that his uh, goal saved above expected was negative 1.3 as compared to negative 28, which it is right now Good in fewer God. games played. Uh, his last year in Washington, when he actually was a playoff starter for the first couple games, the year they won the cup before he got his job taken back by Hopi, he was sixth. And the year prior to that, he was 11th in 16-17. So then he's been a solid solid goalie this whole time he's been a positive goalie every year except 18 19 where he was barely negative folks this is someone you should be able to rely on is this the most out of nowhere bad goaltending season ever it's bad it, it is there's no getting around it i mean grubauer has just he fell off a cliff and even dryger too i mean he looked good last year and when he was taken in the draft that was a bit expected, but at the same time, it was like, okay, well, if this guy is going to be going to UFA, like he's probably going to get like the Carter Hutton treatment where he had a shorter sample size, but looked really good. And somebody was going to probably overpay him to be their starting goalie or be in a tandem. So you really weren't expecting it for either of them. Now with Dreiger, I mean, he's had some injury concerns this year too, but he's healthy now and he doesn't look good. And I don't think his, I, what what did you know what he is for his goal saved above expected? Uh, no, I can I can look that up real quick. But here's yeah, the I thing: I was curious because I'm if I'm not mistaken, I mean it's obviously not as drastic as Grubauer, and Grubauer has seen far more minutes and shots. But I would have to think that Dreiger's probably pretty close too because his his numbers aren't exactly pretty either. But no, yeah, I would I imagine mean, not. I, I would like to think that this year is maybe just an outlier and next year he gets back on track a little bit more. That's not to say that Seattle is going to be like a powerhouse next year or anything, but I think you'll see some correction there because there's just no way that a guy who, again, as you had said before, I mean, maybe it's a bit of a stretch calling him a model of consistency, but a guy who by and large for the past five to six years has been a solid NHL goalie, like above average NHL goalie. And then to just fall off like that a year after you were the starting goalie on, uh, I mean, arguably the most complete cup contender. The president's trophy winner. And president's right. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely surprising. Go ahead. You got that. I'm going to try and find my thing. Yeah. So Dreiger is 42nd among goalies that have played at least 12 games at negative 4.7. So he hasn't been good either. Um, He's played 15 games to Grubauer's 39. So I'm just going to do some quick math here, which is it's it's not exactly the same. I guess they don't play. It's it's not the same thing to play 39 games or play 15. So obviously it's much harder to do that. Um, but so it's two 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 point six times as many games. So 
let's see, if he had played that, he would be extrapolating it out to 39 games would be negative 12.22. So he'd be among the worst. He'd be down there with like Miko Koskinen, Mackenzie Blackwood, Vegmelka, Lankinen, uh, Primo. He'd be among the worst still. And Grubauer is still just blowing him away though, even as a, at a rate, which is, that's unheard of. I just, I just really don't get it. Like, I just, so I looked at their age. Do you, do you have the his, like historical numbers up there? Who was the last goalie to be as low as him? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that in a minute because that's actually really interesting. Uh, but I was gonna say about this. It's what's so weird about the group, this Grubauer season, which I think is a historically interesting season, uh, is that he is only 30. He turned 30 during the season. They signed him at 29. And when I think he got a five-year deal, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about that, but not that risky. Dreiger was a lot interesting. As you, you mentioned, Dreiger was good and got, as you put it, the Carter heart treatment where he didn't play that much, but he Carter was Hutton. impressive enough that he. Carter Hutton. Yeah. Why would, why would it be Carter Hart? Carter Hart was like 20 when he came into the league. Oh, that's what I was. Okay. That's what I was confused. Car, Cause okay. I see what you're saying. Because Carter, because they both played moved. Carter Hart and him both played very few games and got a deal is what I'm saying. But oh, yeah, I'm Carter Hart. Yeah, too. Carter Hart was a rookie coming in. Dreiger had been in the league for a little bit. Yeah, well, do you know Dreiger's two years older than you? Two, sorry, two two weeks older than you. Than you, yeah, no, Brendan that's what Orr. I mean. I knew he was about yeah, like 27. Like he's been in the league for a bit. Well, he that's the thing though. He had so few games played at the NHL level. Like right, I would. He has played before this year. He had 38 games played. So like that was obviously he had like a cup. Wow. I thought he had a season or two as a backup before that year with Florida. Damn. Okay. My fault. He played one game each uh, two with two of which weren't even starts for Ottawa, but 15, 16 and 17. He played one game each, which is kind of insane. And then 12 with Florida and 23 with Florida. So this year he said 15. So like, yeah, he wow. did basically no track record at all. That's why I was going to say like guy has no track record at 27. And even at those 23 games, he was a nine twenty seven save percentage. That's cool. But like, man, I, even though he hasn't had a good year, he's had a better year than both of them. Vitek Vanacek, at least I would have, I'd rather give him a shot. For the future there. Yeah. But I, I get what they're doing. Cause they had an asset for him right. or dredger. They're like, I'm sure he'll be a fine backup, which he's not. And they probably thought Grubauer, God, they didn't think he was going to be this. It's yeah, man. Yeah, legitimately stunning. But to the question you asked, that's, yeah, I was actually going to say this. I was looking back year after year. There's no comparison because Grubauer is going to have to keep playing probably. And he's going to go right. If he keeps playing, that's, he's going to go right into the mid thirties. And that's, it's been a while since anyone's done that. And the last person is there's a negative 40 in 2011, 12 from, um, an old pal named Steve Mason. Oh man, Steve Mason. Yep. Steve Mason, who Columbus Blue Jackets. Yep. He was a Blue Jacket at the time. I decided he has a super weird career. I know goalies are weird, but did Grubauer's is less. Year? He did. So, okay, this is his career. Grubauer is a much more steady, like good goalie playing more games, playing more games, falls off a cliff. We'll see what happens next. Maybe this is just a blip in their playoff team next year or at least a competitive team. Steve Mason came into the league very young at 20. I'd like to note a year after Pascal LeClaire also came into the league very young and was a rookie of the year candidate and just takes this other young guy, Pascal LeClaire's job in Columbus. And they make the playoffs for the first time, Steve Mason's rookie year. And he was 
the rookie of the year. He won the Calder. He was a Vesna finalist. That's insane. He was third in Vesna voting. And then he was straight up terrible the next year. And he was the worst goalie by goal saved above expected, like three years in a row, culminating in them finishing last in 11-12 and him having that negative 40 goals above expected. That ends up, obviously, he gets traded during the, the lockout season the next year because they have Bavrovsky, who is finally a, a goalie that's not a, a rookie who ended up just being a mirage, partially because they traded for him. I mean, they traded the the, the Flyers. Well, he, so Bavrovsky wasn't really a rookie then, I guess, but because he was a Flyers goalie, the Flyers traded him in a trade for Steve Mason. Great job, Flyers. No notes. Um Instead of just being a Vesna finalist once, Bavrowski wins two Vesnas. Mason goes to the Flyers, and Brendan, guess what happens? Tell he was kind of good. Mm-hmm. He was pretty good. One of the seasons, he was fifth in goals saved above expected. And then he kind of had a down season in 16-17. Not a great year. Not a terrible year either like he used to have in Columbus. And he goes to Winnipeg to be the backup to Hellebuck. Doesn't play that much, but he's not really good at all when he does play. And then he gets traded in the offseason in Montreal. And Montreal just waved him. And that was it. No one ever called again. He was 29 years old. Wow. What a career. Is he overseas right now? Or what's he doing? Nope. He runs some hockey goalie academy somewhere in the United States, I think. That's So that's all in 10 years. He goes from rookie of the year, Vesna finalist, sensation, to the worst goalie in the league, to the worst goalie, uh, on record, on record uh, in the 15 years of looking at expected goals and, and what have you with advanced stats to solid starter to like really good starter to ugh, and then out of the league and he's not even 30. And that, that's that's crazy to me. How old is he now then? So now he'd be like 34, I think. Wow, that is so he's really not that old. He was really young when he came in, though. You don't see a lot yeah. of 20 year old goalies. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, speaking of Steve Mason, let's hear uh, from our friends at DraftKings. Hoops fans, the latest Hoops offer from fans. DraftKings Sports Bank, <laughs> an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. Whoa, that is good. Much better than that slam dunk contest everyone is mad about. Mm. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 years or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. Avoid you are prohibited. 
<laughs> oh, pal, you keep talking like that, and I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so the, the dunk contest, though, Obi Toppin, A-10 pride, he won what has been described as the worst slam dunk contest of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the only other real Sabres news uh, this week, so it's Wednesday when we're recording this. You're listening on Thursday, so the Sabres have already taken on the Canadians. Speaking of bad goaltending. Hey, oh, uh, we uh, so you probably already know that Brandon Bureau made his debut, but maybe you don't. Maybe you didn't watch the game. Anyway, he was supposed to make his debut. Game isn't happening for a couple hours, so we'll see what happens. But Bureau is an interesting case, I think. He, uh, if you don't remember the Sabres draft, or if you don't remember them drafting him, it's because they didn't. They signed him undrafted out of Penn State. He, uh, Came there is not a super highly touted prospect, but ended up being a point per game guy his junior and senior year. Senior year got cut off by COVID, and they signed Saber Simon in summer of 2020. He played in the very shortened AHL season last year, and this year, as a I believe recently turned 24 or is about to turn 24, he has nine goals, 27 assists, 36 points in 39 games. So almost a point a game player in the AHL. Now I'm gonna obviously ask you because you watched him play a couple weeks ago in Rochester. I want to throw this out there first. Most guys who are undrafted and become college free agents, unless they're at like the, the Jimmy VC level or VC did get drafted. So forget I said that unless they're at the level of guys who like are Hobie Baker contenders, they're usually not NHL players. And most guys in the AHL at 24 are not NHL players, but every once in a while, there's a Matt Molson out there. There's a, a guy who you find late in the game who is a late bloomer. And at the very least can be a contributor at some level. Now, if he is, what about what you saw from him uh, a couple weeks ago would make you think he will be a contributor potentially down the line? Well, I had even tweeted about it too, like just watching in the game, how good him and JJ Paterka look together. And as you had talked about, I mean, Biro is a small guy. He's, he, I believe stands at like 5'11". He relies on his speed. That's the, it's kind of the key part of his game. And that's why I think, him and Paterka worked so well together, especially the transition game and the way that they were both able to get up the ice with each other. Like it was standout. I mean, I know it's of course the AHL, so we're talking far lower quality of competition, but him and Paterka, when they were on the ice together, it was as though the opposing team just could not touch the puck. Like they were constantly, constantly generating offense. And I believe actually too, I was reading a little earlier today, uh, our friends Chad and Anthony, well, Chad wrote the article, but from Expected Buffalo had done a piece on Brandon Bureau and was mentioning too within the piece just that over the past month that he, that, that Bureau and Paterka have been dominating possession metrics in the offensive zone. They just, they just can't get the puck off their stick and continue to generate high quality scoring chances. So Again, I mean, you're taking a guy who has been a key, if not the most key offensive contributor, maybe aside from J.J. Paterka, on the Amherst and giving him a shot. You know, we don't know what he has. You know, if if this is a, a guy that maybe can end up being in your bottom six, like he's, we obviously know he's not like a top six kind of guy, but if he had some, maybe some speed and some skill into your bottom six, I think that there's definitely a possibility for that. Um, again, I think a lot of it's just going to be dependent though, on the fact that, yeah, you're, you're a burner in the AHL and you, your speed is exceptional down there, but how does it translate to the NHL games? So, 
I, I'm very curious to see how he's going to look. Do I think or feel very strongly, I should say, that he is going to be a lock to be an NHL guy? I don't think so. I think if you end up finding a diamond in the rough there and he ends up maybe being like a good fourth liner for you who can add some speed on top of maybe a couple other guys who are, you know, a little bit more in tune with the two-way game, then I think that that's great. But I'm not going to allow myself to get my hopes up on a guy like this because we have seen guys like this before. And if he ends up just being a really good AHL guy and somebody who you can call up here and there when you need to, then I think that that's great. But I, I'm not going into this expecting him to be anything more than that. But I do like yeah. his speed. I do like his speed. That's good. I mean, it, it's good to have a, a discernible skill that like sets you apart. You're not just scoring at a lower level, something you could bring up that'll right. translate to the NHL. So I think, uh, well, it's worth a shot. The season is uh, going to the shitter. They're going to finish with like 70 or fewer points as it is. So I, it's nice to give guys like that like a look. And before they can go back and hopefully win the uh, Calder Cup in the AHL next year or later this spring, I should say. Yeah, so guys like I mentioned last time, like maybe see a game from Linus Weisbach or Oscar Laxon and it'd be cool. Yeah. And I, th- I guess we should say the reason. Yeah, go ahead. And I was just going to say, I think the other thing to Biro's credit, that's, that's great for him is that he didn't really have that strong of a start to the season. Like when you think back to earlier this year on the Amherst, I mean, it was all Paterka and Quinn, like that was really it. The Amherst otherwise have not been, and, and Brett Murray too, I should say. Um, but the Amherst were, were not, and have not been particularly overwhelmingly good. And I think that there's a lot of things that contribute to that injuries, call-ups, what have you. I think that the team that they're going to have down the stretch and when they make a, a, you know, as they're in the playoff run, it's going to be a lot better. And we're going to see a much, much better team. But for Biro's sake, the fact that he was able to gradually improve throughout the season to now being at a place where he's just under a point per game pace, I think, is a testament to him and it's a testament to you know him earning it for Not sure just being like the next guy up because of injuries or whatever because there's other guys who they realistically could have called up but Biro earned it so good for him like it, it's a good story it's good for him I think if you end up like I said finding a diamond in the rough there and you get a solid NHL contributor that's great I'm not expecting that but I, I think it should be uh interesting to see him out there tonight yeah, for sure. And we should say that the reason he'll be out there is because Victor Olofsson is out with a non-COVID illness. So I think Victor will be back pretty quick. And I guess Biro will probably be out of there unless someone gets hurt, which based on recent trends seems possible. Very much so. Good stuff. Anything else to add there, my friend? Um, well, recommendation-wise or Sabres-wise? Well, I guess both. I figured probably we can move on to our recommendations now. I don't think, I, I think we probably covered everything just considering the fact that we're recording this before the game. Yeah. They haven't played since we talked last and they'll have three games before we talk again. So yeah. look forward to seeing Dallas and wait, who do they play on Friday? St. Louis. That's right. St. Louis. They have a late game on Friday night against St. Louis. Maybe we could see our friend Billy who's Huso, which nice. that's, that was a fun thing I looked up or I saw when I was looking up those goalie things. 
uh, and expected goals, goal saved above average this year. Quite a golf between Billy Huso and Jordan Bennington. Should make for some interesting interesting choices going forward for your pals in St. Louis. Uh, but anyway, so recommendation. I saw The Worst Person in the World uh, yesterday. It was not a movie about Jason Bottrell or Brad Marchand. In I fact, was it wasn't even about that say. bad of a person. You saw Ralph Kruger in person? Buddy, I own an eight DVD box set of The Nightmare on Elm Street. You know I've seen my boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a really, really good movie. Great stuff. Should have been nominated for Best Picture, but it was nominated for, I think, Best Original Screenplay or Best... It's nominated for one of the Screenplay Oscars. Anyway, it's really good. Very nice. And Very uh, nice. that's about all I have for recommendation-wise. Let's see if I could think of anything recommendation-wise. I don't think I've done any albums in a while. Maybe I can string together an album here um uh i'm gonna go with actually uh yeah i can't do an album the new bad sons album so bad sons good band a lot of you probably know the song cardiac arrest that was like their big hit from the mid 2010s they just put out a new album late last month late january called apocalypse whenever if i could talk really really good album very very 80s pop influence for sure they're really good at just writing like catchy hooks and they have a really great drummer too, which always helps when you're trying to do, you know, make poppy music, like really interesting, really good guitars as well. Lead singer's got great range. Like I said, it's a very like eighties influenced pop indie rock record. And I'm a big bad suds fan. I think that their first album, their debut album, which is called language and perspective is like a must listen for just like any alternative indie rock fan if you have not heard it it is a just top to bottom excellent excellent album and their last album was pretty good but this one i thought was a nice little return to form for them and i think that uh it's really strong top to bottom so if you need some new music apocalypse whenever by bad sons go check it out who's your random sabers player of the episode hmm that's a great question i'm gonna say Scott Wedgwood. Good God. All right. I'm going to go with Patrick Laleem. Hmm. Stick with the goalie theme. I saw him on the uh, goal saved above average chart. Yeah. He's probably at the top, right? King. Yeah. If you flip the column, you can flip <laughs> it to have the negative ones the highest. So, yeah. It's really uh, the work's your oyster. Good old Patty. Good old Patty. All right, everybody. Well, hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, make sure you're checking out the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently listening to this show on, as well as whatever social media platforms you use. Also, you make sure you're checking us out and following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and make sure you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you are listening. Give us a nice little rating, too, if you have the capability of doing that. We'd very much appreciate it. And make sure you're using promo code THPN at checkout with DraftKings. Use that promo code. Once again, one more time, it is THPN. As we had said before, we'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, and we will be joined by a guest, our good friend Jared Halt from the Charging Buffalo. will be joining us to chat about the Sabres and catching up as we haven't talked to him since earlier in the season. So stick around. We hope you all have a really great weekend, though, and we'll talk to you soon. This has been Straight Up Sabres. <laughs>